0: One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It reminds us of all that once was good. And the only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out, is the Church of Baseball. No.
1: White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball, the latest news and views from players, coaches, and direct from the front office. White Sox Weekly on the proud new home for Chicago White Sox baseball. WLS. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We got you for the next hour this afternoon talking White Sox baseball. We are not too far at all from Sox Fest 2017. Excited to get things going. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. We'll be out there at the Hilton Downtown 27th, 28th, and 29th, and looking forward to it. If you're uh, if you're one of the listeners who transitions from uh, David Hockberg show into this one. Uh, he was right. The, 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 everybody from WLS is going to be out there at SoxFest. Uh, Big John and Ray, Bob and Marianne, uh, Steve Dahl and the gang, and then the, the the Hochberg show is going to be out there too. It's a curious choice by David to – what he wanted to do is – and I don't know if he's announced this on his show yet. We're going to swap segments. So for one segment during his show that weekend, I'll be the mortgage expert and just give you terrible advice on what to do with your money and your mortgage – And then he's going to do a segment on one of the White Sox shows and give you awful advice as to who to start in your fantasy leagues. So that's our plan for – it's one of the plans for Fest. I can't say it's the strongest plan. But, you know, David's a a big shooter at the station, so we do what David Hochberg says first and foremost. You can join us for a fun season of White Sox baseball with your own customized Pick 7 or Pick 14 plan. Choose your favorite games and promotions and enjoy savings off the individual game ticket price – These plans are available right now, so secure your seats before individual tickets go on sale. For tickets or more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. Lots to do on the show today and not all that much time to do it, but as always, we've got room for you. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on the show. That's 312-591-8900. You can also get at us on Twitter. We leave it up all week long, and you can, you know, leave your questions, your thoughts, your comments on the White Sox and where we're at in the offseason over on Twitter, at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. We kind of call questions and thoughts and processes and whatnot from the Twitter feed all week long, and we'll bring some things up throughout the course of the afternoon today and next week, and as we're at Sox Fest too. I think we're going to do something fairly cool. I don't know that we're necessarily going to do giveaways via the Twitter during SoxFest, although we could. That's something we might iron out yet. But I think we're going to do something fairly cool with uh, with, with some player and fan and front office interaction throughout SoxFest on Twitter. So you're going to want to write the the handle down and make sure you follow WLS on Twitter as well. I, I, we're going to use that to a pretty big degree coming up on SoxFest uh, in two weeks here. Oh, and in case you miss... Um, White Sox Weekly, or, you know, listen, we know it's Saturday afternoon and you're driving around, it's the dead of winter, and you've got stuff to do and maybe family to visit or errands to run or driveways to shovel, however it happens. You miss an interview here or there, you miss a couple of minutes of the show, you can always head to WLSAM.com, go over to the White Sox tab, and every single White Sox Weekly is podcast there for you, all of our interviews. Uh, We talked with Derek Holland Newest White Sox member last week. That was a a funny interview. <laughs> he's a he's a funny dude, uh, and some pretty uh, serious baseball stuff too. And if you miss it this week, although I would suggest you just you know keep the radio on for the next handful of minutes. About twelve fifteen, we're going to talk to MLB dot Scott Merkin. Merk was out at the mini camp that the White Sox held for fourteen different hitters uh, just this past week, and I want to talk a bit about that mini camp and and what we saw, who we saw there. We'll catch you up on some news and notes as well. The White Sox have settled uh, in arbitration with five different players. Todd Frazier, Miguel Gonzalez, Dan Jennings, Jake Petrushka, Zach Putnam have all been signed and are all ready to roll for the 2017 season. So we'll get into what some of those contracts may or may not mean. It's not a surprise, I think, to most or to any that those guys were all... uh, we're all inked without having to go to arbitration, that those guys are all ready to go for the 2017 season. But I think, you know, questions remain as to what's left in this offseason. There are two weeks up until SoxFest, and there could absolutely be changes right up until the 27th, whether it be off that 25-man roster or a little bit deeper in the organization. It should be interesting to see what kind of changes, if any, are on the way. As for the minicamp, we'll get into more of this with Scott Merck, and I just wanted to let you know who was there and give you the run-in as to who we'll be talking about with Merck coming up in a couple of minutes. Of course, Yuan Mankata was there. It was the first time for a lot of White Sox coaching staff to get their hands and eyes on Yohan Mankata. And it's funny. You know, ever since the White Sox traded Chris Sale and, and picked up Mankata, the number one prospect in all of baseball, we've been saying it on White Sox Weekly, and it's been written about by everybody who covers you know, whether it's prospects or the White Sox, that, that this guy is shaped, honest to God, like an NFL linebacker. And, and we say it all the time. It's almost like the first thing that we talk about when, when we kind of talk Yoan Mankata and what his 2017 is going to look like in the White Sox organization, his first year with this team. And still, you know, it, it sounds like every coach that was down there, whether it's Todd Steverson, whether it's Rick Renteria, whomever it was, got their eyes on this guy and went, wow. That's a bit that is a big dude. That is a power hitting second baseman if I've ever seen one is kind of been the, uh, the general reaction. So it's funny to me that, that even though we talk about it all the time, we in the media we who write up on prospects, stuff like that, you know the, the royal we people are still kind of astounded by the size of this guy. Rundy down a couple of more uh, names of who was at the mini camp there. Is that Collins? White Sox first-round pick from last season, Charlie Tilson, who was acquired for Zach Duke, a guy who I think you're going to see play a little outfield coming up on uh, perhaps opening day. Matt Davidson, Kevin Smith, who we saw last year, and there are a bunch of guys who we haven't seen at the major league level, but some who could make that move or at least are in that, you know, big developmental year in the minors. Adam Engel, Jacob May, Trey Miacevsky, Keon Barnum, Courtney Hawkins, Dan Hayes, not the one who writes for CSN, the other one, the one that plays first base. Uh Keenan Walker, Joy D. Michelle, Jameson Fisher, Alex Call, who is a, uh, a a fan favorite, a fan favorite prospect, and Nikki Delmonico. We're all at the mini camp. And we'll get the latest from Scott Merkin on at MLB.com as to what he saw and what some of the reactions were on those hitters. Plenty more to do too. We've we've got stories and, and rumors on Jose Quintana, as we always do. We are twelve days from the beginning of Sox Fest, and we are thirty days. Uh, from pitchers and catchers reporting in Phoenix. Can't wait for it and can't wait to talk to Scott Merkin on the other side of a quick commercial break. I'm Connor McKnight. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Sox Fest 2017 returns January 27th through January 29th. We're bringing ballpark fun to the Hilton in Chicago. We're also bringing Scott Merkin of MLB.com. You'll score an autograph or photo with current players, coaches, and White Sox greats. Your favorite areas are back with interactive space to play games and win prizes and shop for team gear. It'll be a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now. Visit WhiteSox.com slash SoxFest. That's WhiteSox.com slash SoxFest for tickets and more information. Minicamp has concluded down in Glendale, and Scott Merkin of MLB.com was there to chronicle all of it and learn a ton. Mark joins us now on White Sox Weekly. He is a uh, a wonderful human being and a kind and gentle man for joining us this afternoon. Hi Mark, how are you doing? And my
0: appearance at Soxfest is sponsored by you guys, is that right? Justin? I don't, well, oh, <laughs> hey,
1: sponsored is but buddy, hold on. Uh, I don't, there would be no money. <laughs> But when you die uh, oh, on yeah, your deathbed, yeah. you will receive total consciousness. That's what we can <laughs> offer you for your appearance. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. So I got that, that going for me. Yeah, it, it, which is nice. How, how was the mini camp? I, you know, we were talking earlier on to start the show. I was kind of taken aback that, you know, whether it was Steverson or whether it was Renteria, everybody had a comment on how friggin' big Yoan Mancata is, and, and it seems like we all knew that, and yet everybody who sees him can't help but say something about it.
0: Yeah, I got to talk to him on that Tuesday. Tuesday was when I spent the bulk of the time at the uh, of the three days at the mini camp there. And yeah, he looks like he could uh do pretty well for the Bulls may, Bulls. What wrong team? Bears, maybe as a defensive back. He is uh he's a big I mean he's not real tall, but mm-hmm. he's you know but he's an athlete. He's an athlete as they described him and I, I think fans are really gonna enjoy watching him when he when he eventually gets here in the sense that, you know, besides being a kid with power and probably a kid who can hit. They like his hands defensively. He can run a little bit. He talked about how much he likes running. He actually, this will make the sabermetric people shudder, but he actually talked about how he likes bunting. And he said, he really hasn't had a chance to do it much since ah. he's come over here.
1: Ah. He said,
0: you know, he, he likes doing everything. He, li- he likes all aspects of the game and he's ready to go. He's excited. And he was, uh, this is his first chance to really play with his, you know, new teammates, his future teammates. And, It was a good three days for all of them, it seemed like.
1: I'm glad he likes bunting. Hopefully that means that the rare times he does do it, he finds sheer joy in doing it. Hopefully that's the case.
0: That would be, I think, a good show. You could probably do an hour just on whether people who like bunting, I don't know if anyone likes bunting. Maybe Brett Butler did when he was playing a lot. Yeah, maybe. Versus people who just think it's basically, you know, the the worst thing that could ever happen in baseball. I, I think there's, a time and place for it, obviously. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's also, it, it, it's not categorically should be banned from anyone's repertoire, but it's it, nothing you should feature, especially for a guy like Moncada, who's, you know, got some pop, got quite a bit of pop.
1: Extra innings, uh, let nobody out, man on second base, and you're the home team chasing, you just need one run to win, and it's high game. That is the place, but that's the only place I can think of, though, Mark. That's the only, that's it. I
0: think still some people would argue against that. I think oh, still I know. some people would I, say, Oh, absolutely, you know, yeah. Get him over by hitting a ground ball. Call, or
1: call like Jason that. Benetti. Absolutely, he would absolutely line up to argue against that. Uh, Want to get into to some of the um, comments that Mancata made about his uh, position and and I guess prospect coming up to the White Sox. I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret that there is potential for Mancata to make his uh, White Sox debut this season. He said he prefers second base. He's happy to play at third. Your thoughts on on hearing what Mankata had to say, albeit through a translator, about where he plays and and when he might put a big league uniform back on again.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with you know, remember what Rick Hanna said a couple of times during the winter meetings and aside from that time that, you know, uh, they're not going to rush anyone up just to kind of validate a trade. You know, I I realized that they traded away probably the best left-hander in baseball, not named Clayton Kershaw, and arguably the best American League starter in baseball but they're not going to rush Mankata or Kopek or any of the other Basabi or Diaz up to the majors just to say, Hey, look, you know, yeah, we traded sale, but look who we have up here now. And then have him struggle. So when he's ready, he'll be up there. And that may be, you know, I would be surprised if it's not this year, but it may be June, July, who knows? So, and I think he'll, you know, they have three guys fighting it out right now over at second base and Todd Frazier is currently at third base. So it'll just be where, where he fits. And, you know, this roster obviously is going to be a, a fluid situation throughout the year. So I, I think it just depends on who's there at the time and what need they have at the time for him to be where he's going to end up playing.
1: Uh, you, you mentioned Todd Frazier, and you used the word currently at, at third base. I don't think it's any secret. I think there have been rumors throughout. I'm sure you've talked to people who have told you that there's interest in Todd Frazier. They just signed him. The White Sox did, uh, agreed on a deal, avoiding arbitration with Todd right around the $12 million mark. Uh, where Where are – where are the White Sox thoughts with that infield as it stands now? Because it just you know it's it's almost too easy to write the whole trade: Todd Frazier, Lori goes to third, Mankata's your starter at second base in a in a real short time. Or I don't think that's necessarily as 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 easy to do as it is to say. Right? You
0: know, I should add one more thing. I talked to Chris Getz uh, when I was at the mini camp, and he talked. You know, I asked him about Mancada and where he's positioned for to start the year, and you know, he kind of smiled and just said, "Hey, he's going to be in camp, and he's going to." have a chance like everyone else. And then, you know, when that decision is made, they'll, they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. So, you know, I think he certainly has a chance to really impress and, and break out and and make it on opening day. But I would doubt that that happens from the outset in terms of Todd Frazier. You know, I had a good talk with Todd. One of the many good talks I had with him last year near the end of the season about, you know, him not minding being kind of the veteran presence as part of a rebuild. So I could see him saying, I, you know, I mean, but, Teams need power, but I think the power market is still not even really decided in the off season. If I'm if I'm, you know, thinking right, there's still a number of guys who are available out there. So it very well could be that Todd Frazier breaks camp of the team and is a starting third baseman and maybe gets a look come, you know, July or something like that again. You know, one thing to remember, I, I realize that the rush for White Sox fans, the trades provided, even though it is it is kind of it's kind of weird when you think about it that, you know, you're celebrating trading away Chris Sale and Adam Eaton, yeah. but not really celebrating that. You're celebrating the amazing return you got for Chris Sale and Adam Eaton. And I think fans want more trades, and they want them yesterday, and they want like three or four lined up before Sox Fest, and, you know, really see the 14 or 15 prospect haul they got for moving all these guys. But as Rick Hahn said, this is ongoing. You know, this, this could this could go into spring. Well, we'll go into spring training could go to the trade deadline could go to next off season. You know, there could be guys who are there all year and then move for a big, you know, talent hall next off season. So, you know, you, you never know. I mean, it really changes as I wrote, uh, I think at the beginning of last week or, or this week, it changes almost hourly to hourly, let alone day to day or month to month type of thing. So you, you never know when something looks completely gone that the next day, maybe a team has a change in mind and they're ready to do business with the White Sox. So you just got to, Got to keep your eyes peeled and ready for ready for the change. But, you know, it, it's going to be a process that certainly is not, does not have a time stamp on when it's done.
1: Talking with Scott Merkin of MLB.com. You can read his stuff on uh, WhiteSox.com. It's the MLB site. Find him on Twitter, at Scott Merkin, or just keep listening here on White Sox Weekly. we got him for another couple of minutes. I Merk, I had a really uh, cool chance to talk to Zach Collins. I went down to the Arizona Fall League um in what was that i guess november enjoyed talking with him kind of liked his mindset where he's at you know playing baseball it it had been kind of a whirlwind for him in the middle of november and now things have kind of settled back some your chance to talk with him i know pilates was something he's mentioned it's been a craze for starters and and pitchers the last year and a half with jake arietta winning a cy young on the strength of a pilates machine apparently but i guess he's getting a little collins get a little more flexible
0: yeah, and I think uh, if I remember right Chris Sale I believe did it going into spring training of last year too. They I think it was really Pilates, Pilates yoga that that it, it, maybe maybe it was yoga that he was working on. But can you Imagine
1: I, he, can you imagine watching Chris Sale at all of 6'9 doing yoga?
0: Yeah, Chris, Chris Sale was doing the Pilates to uh make sure that point oh 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 three body fat he had disappeared down to 0. .001. Exactly. But but yeah, Collins is, is a really laid back kid and I don't know if you got that, you know, from, you know when you no, talked to the colleague. league. But I, I had a chance to talk to him right at the beginning of the falling, and then again this past week, and he said he had a, you know took a nice vacation, took a little trip away from baseball. He went on a cruise with his girlfriend and his family, and went to New York. You know, had a good time, and now he's back working again. And yeah, Pilates, he said, is kind of just loosened up a little bit overall. But I talked to John Orton, who's the exceptional minor league uh, coach or uh, catching coach for the for the White Sox catching coordinator, I think is the title, and he talked about just how when he first saw Collins on video. He thought, you know, this guy could be a solid major league catcher. And one thing he pointed out, which I think is interesting, you know, there was a lot of talk about how Collins kind of picked the brain of Carson Kelly, who's the Cardinals highly ranked catching prospect during the fall. They were on the same Glendale team. And Orton mentioned how Collins studies a lot of the really great catchers in the game, you know, Yachty Molina, Buster Posey, and will ask him questions about certain things they do. And Orton pointed out that's really a sign of, you know, what the good players do. They kind of study and learn and process and adapt to what they need to their specific game to improve. And I I think, you know, again, in this day and age where there's so much good information about prospects, which was not there as much when I was growing up, you know, following baseball, I think everyone has an opinion. How many times do we hear when Tim Anderson came in? Oh, he's going to be a center fielder. He'll end up as a center fielder. Well, Tim Anderson, you know, through all the questions we asked him about that believed he was a shortstop and he is a shortstop for the white Sox and had a very good debut. And Zach Collins, doesn't get miffed about it, but I think he just feels he's a catcher. The White Sox believe it, too, and he has, you know, worked hard and I think improved in the short time that they've had him behind the plate, and, we, and they know that he can hit, so that's not even the issue.
1: One more for you. Charlie Tilson, a guy who I think is probably going to make that opening day or at least has as good a chance as any outfielder to make that opening day roster that's, you know, not named Melky Cabrera. Uh, that's a dude who I, I think, you know, obviously wants to get back on the field after ripping his hamstring up and his Major League debut. Uh, chance to chat with him and how he looked in the cage. I know uh, hitting for a little bit more authority, a little more power. Is something the White Sox would like to get out of that uh, that frame.
0: Yeah, but he also, you know, he really does handle the bat well. And you know, they one of the they had sort of a uh, competition that last day, the last hour I saw there, and you know, where you kind of had to try and hit the ball to each spot on the infield, and he was pretty solid at that. Yeah. He's he, he takes is a, a good approach where he didn't, you know, kind of take a why me thing where he gets traded, gets to the major leagues, gets his first hit and his first at bat, and then what, bottom of the sixth inning, and he tears his hamstring going after a fly ball. You know, he's worked hard to get back. He told me that his goal was being without restrictions at this mini camp. So you hit that goal. And, you know, for all these guys, I talked to Zach Putnam in the offseason. They all have goals and targets along their rehab way, and I think they're all focused on being 100% healthy and ready come, you know, April, that first game of the season. Yeah, they want to be ready to go and not have, you know, setbacks going into spring training. But it's a long spring training with the World Baseball Classic. So I think guys like Tilson and Putnam are kind of, with the White Sox, of course, complete guidance, are pacing themselves. So, yeah, he's ready for action. And, he, you know, he, I didn't know if I realized this because I never really met him during the season. I was not in Detroit when they had, you know, that when he played that one game. But he grew up a Sox fan, too. So he yeah. was talking about how much he, uh, he idolized Scott Podsednik because he said he was 12 and he was just getting going on travel baseball and he was a leadoff guy in 05 when they won the World Series. So, you know, I, I'm sure Sox fans would love to see something that putt sending in at from Charlie Tilson this year, or getting yeah. close to that even.
1: I think they'd be all right. With, yeah, new Trier kid who grew up uh, idolizing every White Sox that played on that, that 05 team. Uh, real quick, I, I, I forgot, I wanted to ask you about Zach Putnam and when you brought him up. How is Putt? Where are things at with him? I know that was just a a really strange, and I don't want to say nebulous because that's, that's uh, making it seem like nobody quite knew what was going on, but it seemed to be a kind of a tough elbow injury to tackle with him.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember now. I think it was a few weeks ago that I talked to him and he was throwing at a hundred playing catch at 120 feet at that point. He was hoping to have a couple bullpens. He lives in Ann Arbor, by the way, home of university of Michigan. It's a fine um, town. He was hoping to get a couple bullpens in before spring training. And he, he stressed again that, you know, April is his goal. The start of the season is to be ready. So I think if, You know, something happens at the beginning of spring where he gets there February 14th and maybe isn't throwing a bullpen the first time out. It's not a a caution sign. He's, you know, kind of balanced and ready to go. I think the difference this time, he had the same kind of surgery as a bone chip removal, Um, but in 2013 he had the same surgery, only he said that one was arthroscopic. This one was a little more invasive, so it took him a little bit longer to get back to the mound. But he seemed very encouraged and said, you know, no setbacks at all. He's ready to go.
1: Awesome. Scott, really appreciate you hopping on. Thanks so much. We will see you at SoxFest in uh, in two weekends.
0: Sounds good. I'll be there, Connor. Thanks.
1: Absolutely. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, a good man and some good information. You can find all that stuff um, on the website, uh, WhiteSox.com. We'll bring you actually a couple of actualities from the minicamp. A little Rick Renteria for you, a little Todd Steverson perhaps. We'll get those as we come back. We all have lot to talk about it. I want to get into some of the bullpen uh, and the depth that still exists in the White Sox bullpen, why that is, uh, what you might be able to expect from that. And uh, Scott mentioned, too, Tim Anderson just a little bit. I-, I think there's perhaps, maybe I'm going a little bit out of my way to make the point, but I think there's perhaps a benefit um, that's going to come Tim Anderson's way during this spring training that maybe maybe you hadn't thought about quite yet. We'll, we'll give it a shot. Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred is the phone number. You can shoot us a tweet at c1mcknight if you want to do that as well. Uh, either way, twelve thirty news is next. You got White Sox Weekly on WLSAM.com. We're pretty excited about uh, the whole process. The guys are coming in here for this early camp, and it's nice to put my eyes on them and, and uh, you know, kind of going over some of the some of the approaches that we're going to be taking during the course of the season and it's uh, nice to see us uh, here uh, out on the field you know putting our shoes back on and kind of get a little dirty. So I think it's important uh, more than anything just being out here watching them work Uh, I think uh, it gives me a better sense of who they are uh, the skill set they bring to the table uh, so it's it's important for me to be here. That's White Sox manager Rick Renteria talking about the mini camp the Sox just wrapped up this week down in Glendale, Arizona. You're listening to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. You can join us in Glendale, Arizona for White Sox spring training. Single game tickets for the 2017 Cactus League season at Camelback Ranch are on sale right now. Tickets start at just ten dollars per game with special promotions throughout the season. To purchase tickets online. Visit Sox dot com slash spring training or Camelback dot com. That's Camelback Ranch Baseball dot com. You can also call, here's the number, one eight hundred three five two zero two one two. One eight hundred three five two zero two one two. Want to get into some of the things we saw or heard, I guess, from that White Sox mini camp over this last week. You heard Rick Renteria. Talking about his excitement in being out there. Read you some of the names of of guys who were there as well. Mostly uh, the White Sox top hitting prospects. Kind of going through that list, everywhere from Yohan Mankata and Zach Collins all the way down to guys who were you know looking to make that big jump in the minors this year. Whether it's um, from High A to Double A or that Double A perhaps to Triple A move this season. Guys like Joey D. Michelle, Jameson Fisher, Alex Call. Nicky Delmonico, that kind of prospect level guys who are, uh, you know, I guess you would term them kind of lottery ticket guys, guys who could uh, who could hit it big. Not necessarily, I want to be clear here, not necessarily in the big leagues this year, obviously, but who could make that big move from, you know, organizational prospect guy who's going to make some uh, major league appearances for sure into guy who could be a, a major league regular. This is kind of that developmental year for a number of those prospects uh, that I mentioned. And there are others in between, you know, in between that spectrum. But some of those guys are, are the guys who are down there, or rather those guys kind of fit that uh, fit that profile, guys who are down there. And from what I've heard um, and, and from folks who have been down there working with the White Sox and kind of helping, you know, run that camp and whatnot, uh, Renteria, Rick, uh, the manager of the White Sox in his first season, and Nick Capra, who's working the third base side, For the White Sox this year, after moving from the player development role, they've really attacked this thing and are raring to go for spring training as it is, and it's been kind of fun. It sounds like to be around that front office, around that uh, that coaching staff, and around that process as it happens down there in Glendale. And I I think a lot of people are looking forward to that spring training within the organization. And why not? You're going to have a whole lot of talent down there in uh, to to work with a whole lot of budding talent. To develop and mold. Um, in, in fact, White Sox Director of Player Development Chris Getz spoke a little bit about Yohan Mankata. We'll bring you that clip in just a little bit. But I think all these guys are are real excited with some of the young clay that they've got to work with in this uh, in this spring training. You now that said, with and I, I mentioned this before we hit the twelve thirty news, and I, it's just something I've kind of been mulling over in my head, um, something I've kind of been wondering about as it relates to some young players on the White Sox that are going to be at the major league level guys who haven't gotten a lot of ink spilled about them over the last two, three months or so. And, and for fair reasons, you know, with the White Sox choosing uh, the road that they're on uh, trading Chris sale, trading Adam Eaton, and potentially looking to make even more room moves as, as Rick rent, uh, rather the GM of this ball club has mentioned a number of times, be it here on White Sox weekly or elsewhere in uh, in interviews, both local and, and national, I think we understand the path that this club is on. That said, one of the guys that hasn't been mentioned really much at all is, is Tim Anderson, a guy who's going to be playing in his second season, really first full season in the major leagues, though he did get quite a bit of work with the White Sox last year and availed himself really well, I thought. For a guy who, and you heard Scott Merkin at MLB.com mention it in the last segment, for a guy who had a lot of questions around him, as to whether or not he'd be able to stick at short at the major league level, whether or not the really the hands, the footwork, the, the sheer athleticism, I think was always there, and that's why uh, Tim was where he was throughout most of the most of his minor league career playing short. But boy, he showed an arm that I didn't think he had, or I, I wasn't aware that he had, at least to that level. A lot, a lot of gun in that shoulder, and he's got some pretty good accuracy too. Some pretty good, uh, a pretty good delivery from shortstop, range for days, and some real good footwork. He's got to work a little bit, I think, on the at second base, uh, making that double play, whether he's got to make that turn or whether he's got to feed it to the second baseman. But I think that's something that many young shortstops, that's kind of that area, um, unless you're at that, I don't know, Francisco Lindor level of, of defense, that kind of preternatural feel around second base. Uh, every young shortstop, I think, works at that quite a bit. That said, when... Tim comes into spring training this year. I I guess I could see, you know, in an alternate universe, I suppose, where a lot of talk centers around Tim and his development and pushing to become that next-level offensive presence, a guy who isn't striking out as much, a guy who maybe hits for a little bit more power, though that's a lot to ask from a shortstop these days, even with uh, the spike in home runs last year that I think we'll be talking about quite a bit next year. I don't know if it's going to last, uh, that big spike in home runs that we saw this, uh, this past season, though that's a story for a different day. I think with Tim, there is kind of this alternate universe where there's a lot of pressure put on the development of a guy from his freshman year into his sophomore season, from his you know rookie... He did get a couple of rookie of the year votes, uh, down-ballot stuff, but you know his performance was acknowledged by baseball writers in general, and I think for good reason. Now... And I wonder if Tim gets to feel this. I wonder if Tim is going to be in a, in a spring training where he just kind of settles in and becomes one of the guys. I think um, you know he was to a certain degree last year, but when you've got that kind of rookie shine, people are asking after you and asking to talk to you, um, and, and especially when he's you know as as he'd been hitting at the top of the lineup and kind of being I don't know for lack of a better word flashy. I mean, you saw the wheels when he got takeoff. One of my favorite things last season to watch was whenever Tim got to open it up and go from first to third or second to home because it happened fast and you had to watch for it. Boy, he's quick. So I I think maybe, just maybe, with some of the flash that's been added positionally, and, and I guess on the mound too, but more so positionally to the White Sox in this spring and with the potential for adding some more younger players who may be at that cusp where Yohan Mancata is. Perhaps having played a little bit of Major League Baseball last year, not a whole lot, but definitely you know kind of near making your Major League debut or, or getting back into a Major League uniform and, and being on a 25-man roster at some point this next season. Maybe Tim gets to just kind of lay back in the cut a little bit, get used to being in a Major League Spring training where you've got a job. I think, and I've talked to a couple of guys about this, the difference between... Um, a spring training where you're trying to make a major league roster and the competition that that entails versus knowing, and I, and I don't want to paint this the wrong way. I'm not talking about a about a complacency where a guy knows he's got a job and it's all good. Um, I'm talking about a, a realization that you you are a piece of this team, that you are a very crucial piece to this team. And and having that confidence about you. I think there's a difference between, or at least where I'm trying to put it here, there's a difference between a, a level of complacency that some guys may feel at times in spring training, which is okay, too. I mean, spring is as long as it is for a couple of different reasons. Maybe that's one of them. Or maybe that's a, a symptom of it being as long as it is. Versus this confidence that I am the starting shortstop on a major league franchise. I am that guy who's going to be at the top of the lineup and setting things off for the Chicago White Sox and and I think Tim is you know the little bit I got to talk from last season is a guy who's going to kind of relish some of that confidence and relish some of that knowledge and and hopefully he's able to develop exactly how he wants to develop without any sort of I don't know pressure that might come from that that could have come from other angles if it had been an off season that that went a different way if it had been an off season that um, that turned out some other uh some of their issues that, that we've seen so far this year. Uh, Got to get to a break here real quickly. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. We come back. I want to go delve a little bit into the uh, the bullpen and how it's shaped now for the White Sox and how it may be shaped later on. Um, it, it still exists, by and large. The way it existed at the end of the 2016 season, there are ups, there are pluses in that, and there is potential I think perhaps for some change there, too. I don't think there's any secret. Uh, when we get back, we'll get into that. But right now, the most popular way to follow White Sox baseball is with MLB.com at bat. It's the number one app for live baseball. You get to enjoy live look-ins, highlights, game day scores, statcasts, live radio broadcasts, and much more. Get MLB.com at bat on your favorite devices right now I'm Connor McKnight we get back we'll talk a little bit about the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox you have a White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90 Just first saw him in the, in the hallway first day we got here and I was like this is a large specimen right here he's a hell of a player I just watched him do his work out here nothing in particular that we, we spoke about got in the box uh, and uh, he hadn't swung for a while but still you could tell that he had good hands going through the zone had a nice approach and uh, he wants to work real hard. White Sox hitting coach Todd Steverson Trick talking about Yoan Mankata, the White Sox top prospect, and a guy that the uh, Sox coaching staff got to see for really the very first time at this mini camp past week. You're listening to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and you can find the entire show when we're done, uh, or last week's show, or the show before that. Or the show before that on uh, WLSAM.com. Just click on the White Sox tab, and all of our shows are podcast up there. You can check out all the interviews um, and whatnot. Got done talking with Scott Merck and MLB.com earlier this afternoon, and last week talked to uh, Derek Holland, who's going to be starting for the White Sox this year in that rotation. Um, what we, we mentioned a couple of the guys who have been signed to arbitration deals. I guess it's uh, we should go more into detail on that. Uh, Before we get out of here, Todd Frazier, of course, agreed to a deal with the White Sox worth about $12 million. Uh, Frazier hit uh, 40 home runs last year, nearly came into the century mark in ribs, 98, uh, 464 slugging percentage. The average was down. There's no doubt about it, 225 and an on-base percentage right around that uh, 310 mark. So there are ways that Todd would like to improve this coming season. That said, you're coming off a 40-dinger campaign, and it's, you know, tough to, well, you're not going to bat an eye at it, I guess what you're saying. Uh, even with the uptick in home runs this past year, even with, you know, or in an offseason, I guess, where, where there is still power on the market um, in guys like, I guess, you know, some have qualifying offers attached to them, but, you know, guys like Mark Trumbo or guys like Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion has signed. But still, there's you know, there's a couple, of, um, a couple of power hitters left on a market in which, you know, Todd Frazier has been mentioned. as a a potential trip should the White Sox choose to continue down the path that they're on and and make a couple more moves. As we've said, or really, we haven't said it. It's been GM Rick Hahn saying it a couple of different times. If the White Sox had their brothers, there'd be a few more moves. We'll see if those happen before Sox Fest in two weeks. We'll see if they happen before spring training starts, or if those are some that are going to be done a little bit closer to the deadline this season. And that's kind of a, a factor here when we talk about some of the other guys signed in arbitration. Miguel Gonzalez has been signed. What a dandy of a season for the White Sox. And when they needed him too. I mean you talk about in in a season where, you know, for a long time it was can they get back to that form, that 23 and 10 kind of start, you know, you needed something else out of that rotation and save, you know, a couple of starts where you know his first of the year thrown against a tough power-hitting Blue Jays lineup when he clearly wasn't, you know, all that ready to roll, but shaping into form and really throwing some terrific baseball. Miguel Gonzalez signed to a five-point-nine million dollar deal for next year. Dan Jennings, who had a hell of a year out of the bullpen as one of the best left-handers, um, the White Sox were able to throw out there. Jake gets signs at about eight um, yeah, eight hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Zach Putnam gets a deal just over a million dollars, so they've avoided arbitration with all five guys uh, that they had on the horizon there. White Sox, Arb guys, all set and ready to roll. Because a couple of those guys signed in arbitration, or, or avoiding arbitration, I should say, are relievers, it, it got me thinking about the bullpen sum and exactly what's there for the White Sox as we come into 2017 and what changes could be made. Before we do this, most important, you can add some White Sox fun to your next event by scheduling Southpaw for a birthday party, wedding festival, school assembly, block party, or more. One of my real good friends, it's her birthday today, and I was going to send Southpaw out for her birthday. It's troubling, though. Southpaw wouldn't, it wasn't able to go to Texas for the event. He had other birthday parties today. Uh, but if you want Southpaw to visit you, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com slash Southpaw. So I got to thinking about the bullpen summit, exactly who's there and what kind of leverage you can expect for some of these guys. And credit where credit's due, uh, Chuck Garfine, who does a great job as the White Sox pre- and pro post-game host for CSN, had uh, Don Cooper, Coop, on the on his podcast a, little, a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago. You know, he mentioned some of the health issues that David Robertson had been going through, a knee that may have bugged him uh for an entire off season of course he had the cleanup surgery robertson did not coop i have no idea if coop has even seen a doctor in the last decade i probably not but robertson had things cleared up he's good to go and the hope is that he will be a little healthier um and a little bit more able to be david robertson i guess in the 2017 season now that matters i, I think to a big degree because we saw a David Robertson that was pretty darn effective last season. I mean, you look at the save numbers, and they're there. And I don't like to be completely beholden to the save, but it does matter to a certain degree in that he's being asked to do a job and either accomplishing or not accomplishing that job. I do kind of like that in to a certain degree. It's It's this pass-fail kind of scenario for a closer, 37 saves for David Robertson last year, one of his highest totals. The problem with Robertson last season, or the problem with Robertson's last season, I guess, 4.6 walks per nine. That's a lot more than Robertson had tallied in any major league season before. Strikeouts were fairly comparable to where you'd seen him in the past, 10.8, down some, but in and around that you know, 12-ish, 11.5-ish per nine range that he'd had his entire career with the Yankees and uh, in 15 with the White Sox. So the walks, walks, were a problem for Robertson. Home runs a bit too, but I think they were up for just about everybody in the majors. So, when you look at a guy who's you know getting his his knee cleaned up, and we've we've talked a lot about it I mean, ever since and, and even before, uh, Jake Peavy came over uh, from the Padres in that trade, and you know the ankle issue turned into this issue, turned into that. That's what happens with pitchers. As you have one kind of nick, you start favoring things, then those. You know, knicks start working their way up and around and, and all over the body. So, if that affected Robertson some, I wouldn't be surprised. And hopefully, by cleaning things up, he's going to get back to a season where the strikeouts tick back up some, the walks go back down some, and you're looking at one of the premier relievers in baseball. Speaking of Nate Jones on this in this bullpen yet again, and I think what's interesting is that should they remain healthy, and I know that was a big question last season. Um, with Matt Albers getting off to the start. He got off, to and then kind of falling off. Some injuries and bang-ups going uh, throughout that bullpen, whether it was Putnam or whether it was uh, a few others, Patriska going down with an injury, too. If they stay healthy, that top five in the bullpen, Robertson, Jones, Jennings, you look at the season he had last year, doing really well. Zach Putnam, if he's able to get going, start of April. And Jake Patriska looked like a pretty decent bullpen. A bullpen that, in fact, you know, might be... I, or hesitate to say it this way, but might be better than this White Sox team really needs if, in fact, they're going in a direction, they're going completely in the direction that Rick Hahn has kind of outlined right before the, uh, the general manager's meetings, the winter meetings. I, I mean that to this degree. There are pieces in that bullpen that I think a number of different clubs might come asking after as the season wears on and, and bullpen injuries creep up or clubs who want to be contenders. I mean, hell, you look at the Nationals right now. They, they're they one of the better teams in baseball, and they don't have, nominally, a back-end guy, a closer. I think they'd love to add a guy who's, who's either gotten it done before or might have a chance of getting it done should he get that spot. Whether I'm talking about Robertson or Jones, you can take your pick, but I think either of those guys are, are going to be coveted by some teams. And then when you look at the trade deadline last year or even just, you know, the month prior to the trade deadline, whether it's Aroldis Chapman being dealt to the eventual World Series champions, whether it's Andrew Miller being dealt to the World Series winners up, whether – I mean, there are a number of bullpen arms. Mark Melanson traded him. there, There are a number of guys toward that back end, yeah, who might be a tier above some of the guys we're talking about here. But that's not to say that you know bullpen arms are always going to be in demand. And if you can keep them healthy and if you can keep them toward that upper tier in in strikeouts and I guess reliability overall, you, you've got some ammo, right? I mean you've got something to to run with and deal with. And and I know, especially when we start talking pitching and 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 the potential of, of trading some pitching music here, I uh I understand the idea of wanting to deal them when they're healthy. You know, I mean, injuries are just around the corner. But I also have always really liked the idea of finding a desperate club, a club that has to have an arm, and just praying on it, just taking advantage of all that desperation. Be an interesting, uh, be an interesting spring. It'll be an interesting Sox Fest. It'll be an interesting couple of first months of the year as well for the White Sox. And if you want to stay up to date... On all things White Sox this offseason. Be sure to follow the team on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat for all things White Sox related, like Sox Fest, on sale dates, and more. Sox Fest is not that far away. We start on the 27th. Everybody here at WLS will be there, so will your favorite White Sox. I'm Connor McKnight. Hope to see you then, but we'll talk to you next week for White Sox Weekly 2. Thanks to Justin Basic, our producer. Thanks to Scott Merkin of Emily.com for joining us. Thanks most of all for listening. Have a wonderful Saturday afternoon.